Hey everyone, it's another week of Find Your Film. As always, we have a lot of stuff to cover this week, a lot of recommendations. We have one featured film that all three of us have seen. It's called Sator, S-A-T-O-R. The way I pronounce things, I thought it was called Sator, but it's Sator. It's Sator. So it's, it should be an interesting conversation. And for the first time in a couple of weeks, we actually have a couple of movie rewinds for this week on Find Your Film. And yeah, that's great. Let us start off with Bruce Perky. He has named himself Perktron 6. Bruce Perky, how has the last week been for you as far as the movie watching? Have you been able to balance it with your hectic job? Yeah, I did. It's pretty, pretty good. I think I did six or seven movies, so nothing crazy, but nothing too small either. And okay, I've been banking a little bit too. So yeah, you've been banking a little bit. And then right now we have a very special guest, my niece Claire. Claire, can yeah, you yeah. can you kind of can you come in yeah. here? Tell her I'm him. And here I'm eating. You're eating. Oh, you're Ian. It's, she's uh, she's Ian from Onward. Can you say hi to Bruce? Say hi to Bruce. Hi. Hi. And can hi. you say hi to Eric? Say uh, go get on the mic here. So say hi to them. Hi, Eric. Eric's the one with the glasses. Hi. Oh wait, hi. they have all book glasses. Oh, <laughs> hi. hi, Eric. Hi, hi, Ian from Onward. Okay. Yes, he said hi, Ian from Onward, and say hi to Bruce. Hi. Oh, she's trying to. Hi, I'm the one with this thing here. <laughs> yeah. There. See. What are you holding? You want to hear it? I'll I'll play it for you. Here, hang on. He'll make a sound oh, for you. Oh, bye go. Okay. Oh, Okay, say goodbye to them now, okay? Oh, say bye to go. Yeah, oh, I hear a little bit. Is it good? Okay. So I love you, okay, Claire? Say goodbye. Say goodbye, Ian. Hi, Ian from uh, Say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Okay, that, sorry for the, I, I miss her so much. Go downstairs and say, say, uh, say goodbye to your mom for me, okay? I'll see you later. She's not going to do a quick review of Onward? I, yeah, I she loves, she loved Onward. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry, folks. That was not. I'm gonna make sure I'm, I edit it on the thing. All right, so that was that was my niece, my my niece Ian Claire. Claire, go downstairs. Go say goodbye. Go go to ma, go to mama now. Okay, we're doing a, a podcast that makes millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> I'll miss you very very much, and I love you. I I love you very much. Hang on, check okay. my account. I haven't I haven't. <laughs> okay, thank you. I love you. Bye, Ian. Okay, so that was our Onward plug. Thank you, Eric Holmes, by the way, for your recommendation of Onward. I forgot to tell you that after after that week, I immediately realized that Onward was on Disney Plus, and I saw it with my niece Claire. So yeah. well, it's a great right. it's a great movie. Have you seen it, Bruce Berkey, with your nope. kids? Or? It's still on my list. My kids have already seen it. They see everything before I do, and then I have to go watch it again with them usually. So. I, I I would say the onward would go well before me because I wouldn't end, I would not have seen it had it not been for the movie bears podcast so we we will thank the movie bears yeah and you know you you actually you guys listen to the movie bears podcast every single every single week I, I think I messaged you I think last night Eric and you said I'll I'll get back to you I'm currently listening to the movie bears podcast <laughs> yeah, do you remember what good. they were talking about what were they what were they talking about uh, this week? they were talking about the little things and the less said about that the better <laughs> but, oh the less said about the little things. Yeah. yeah, don't look. Uh, don't look at me, Eric Holmes, when you mention the little things, because I take it. I take it to heart. But uh, okay, so, so we have a lot of stuff to cover. Let's start off right now with. Oh, Eric, you've been ha- so you've been good this week. You, you're okay. Everything, er- anything new? How's the game going? I, we gotta, we gotta do like. Yeah. Are we gonna do the game soon? Your, your the role playing game. Uh, well, speaking of movie bears again, I will be sending them uh, the prototype as well. So. I'm not sure how we're going to do it, but I was thinking okay. maybe we just, uh, since it's kind of a D&D sort of inspired, maybe we could uh, record the session. And if it turns out, well, put it out. Just an okay. idea. Sounds good. Or not. Sounds good. 
or, or we just put, or we play it for our own enjoyment. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, either way, it should be fun. Now, speaking of fun, I don't know, Seder. Seder is a movie. I look, I'm not a horror guy. I'm not an expert like Bruce Perky or Eric Holmes. So I am going to defer to one of you guys to try to explain, try to tell me what is Seder about. By the way, it is written and directed and shot, edited by Jordan Graham. And basically, Jordan did this movie all by himself. He, he hired actors as well. But this is sort of like a Steve Soderbergh one-man project. It comes out digitally in North America, February 9th. Okay, so I I don't even know where to begin with Seder. Can you can one of you guys take the ball and and what did you think about it? It's it's a forest in the woods. There's mental health issues. There's a generational family where they think that that might be cursed by some monster or creature or menace in the woods. Bruce, thoughts on Seder. And what am I missing about the um, plot points? Yeah, that's kind of a description. I mean, well, I think the main thing is it starts out with the main character, uh, Pete, if I, if I got it correctly, I think is his name, played by Michael Daniel, I believe. And he is in this kind of this isolated cabin at the beginning. He's just isolated cabin in the woods. He's listening to like a cassette recording of an older woman talking. This is after a very initial scene, which we won't have to, we can talk about later maybe. But um, the basic idea is that there's this satyr entity maybe or we're not sure what it is exactly that has his grandmother is constantly saying she's being contacted by and is making her write and draw things and the idea is that you kind of get the feeling this guy out in the cabin is is trying to figure it out and also possibly being contacted and or possessed and or taken over or whatever by this and it's a very moody i'm gonna let eric take over in a minute but very moody. Uh, it's a lot about tone, less about plot. Really gorgeous photography in the forests. Just like it feels cold and misty and dank and foreboding all the time. And then it's interspersed with almost like home video footage of his family and himself. And um, kind of to show you more about kind of what led to this, I guess. Okay, Eric. Before we get any more <laughs> specific than what you said, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Okay, I'm 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 reading from the press release, right from the email that I received. Okay, just one sentence from Graham, straight from the horse's mouth. "Quote: Seder is quite personal to me. It delves into my family's dark history with mental illness, surrounding a supernatural entity, and uses home video footage to create an interwoven piece between documentary and fiction." Eric Holmes, how interwoven was Seder for you? What was this experience like for you just on a general level? Well, as far as the all the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, I didn't know any of that before watching it. I just watched it as a movie. It struck me as really similar to Headhunter or Iceman, where it's just basically a silent movie of a guy doing things, like going out hunting, and then there's kind of uh, there's kind of like a looming dread and... You know, he's, he's, uh, puts up the camera, you know, he puts up the camera on the tree, goes out hunting. And then all of a sudden there's like a, a thing running behind him. I think it's probably his hunting dog, but like, it, it, there's just like, a there's a lot of, uh, weird stuff that kind of makes me nervous. I, I don't know if that's the right word. Like with the, the opening scene where it's the grandma writing 
Uh, I think they had a word for it, uh, but she's writing just a bunch of stuff on a piece of paper using a quill pen. And the quill pen, you know, has like the two metal pieces that the that the uh, ink goes through. But she's writing real fast. And when you do, if you ever use a one of those type of pens, if you do that fast, the metal pieces kind of bend and kind of click back. And I kept hearing that, and I was like, oh, "Stop doing that!" And then the dog running behind him, and he's like, "So it, there's a there's a lot of a lot of weird stuff like that." But at its heart, this felt like a Wendigo movie. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with the uh, cryptid or legendary creature, uh, whatever you want to call it, but the Wendigo. It, it mostly uh the legend is mostly about hunger people the wendigo like you once you cross paths with the wendigo you become the wendigo and you have this insatiable hunger and eventually you eat people uh, it doesn't uh satyr doesn't really deal with hunger uh, it's definitely but it, it has the the two kind of have a lot of overlap the two creatures have a lot of overlap and then come to find out that satyr is a uh something that was in his family his mom or his grandma or someone it's something of their invention probably through dementia or i I would say because the satyr is like an amalgamation of not just the wendigo but a bunch of like lesser known kind of cryptids so i wonder if maybe you know sometimes you get something in your head kind of in your subconscious and you don't remember where it came from but then it kind of you know swims around in your subconscious for a bit and then comes out as something else i guess that's what creativity is just in general but uh yeah, this movie I quite like this a lot, like a lot, a lot. Oh, good. We we, we mentioned uh, we mentioned well with the beginning uh, that movie being like paint drying, and yeah, this movie kind of has that has a little bit of this. It, it's got that it's got that kind of slow pace to it. But for where this goes different for me is the fact that uh, the main character is constantly doing something. He's not just standing there staring at the camera. He's he's out hunting or he's at home fixing something and then they cut to the grandma and she's like like the, there's always something going on and that opening scene where the the camera's tracking through the different rooms yes that that was fantastic and then come to find out later that the uh the filmmaker wrote it shot it you know directed it scored it he did the score yeah he did <laughs> sort I mean- of, but but yeah it, it, it was it, he was making different noises i, I saw I, I later saw an interview with him and he he would probably agree with me that playing music he's like hey, if you want to call it that i mean <laughs> but thing is it I, for me it absolutely worked he built a you cabin know. himself yeah yeah, yeah this uh, he did everything but act in it <laughs> but even then he kind of did because i guess he was the one that does the i'm so sorry the the whispering voices this i i love this movie i don't i could see some people hating this like this is not everyone's cup of tea but it's certainly my drink of choice (laughs) it's your drink of choice bruce you know i i've always wondered about this okay i enjoyed the movie Mm -hmm. but after reading all the behind the scenes stuff and the fact that he spent seven years trying to get this movie off the ground. And in fact, this movie on IMDb, it has a release date of, or a, a, a made date of 2019. So seven years trying to make the money, building everything. And it's still, there's, I, I, I think this movie, when we covered experimental filmmaker Maya Darren several weeks ago for our, our director spotlight, this movie in a way felt atmospheric, moody, even a little bit experimental at times where it's almost like Eric, you were saying a silent film. So uh, there's a lot, I went through a lot of emotions watching this, but my enjoyment of Seder 
was upscaled after learning all the blood, sweat, and tears behind it. So I ended up, I recommend this film. I understand that there's going to be a lot of people who will not jump on board with Seder because like Eric said, the slow yeah. build. But my question to you, Bruce, is when you re is it legitimate to upscale a movie when you realize, when you watch it and then you say, oh, well, then you realize all the background stuff. Or do you think that those paths should not cross when it comes to judging the ultimate, doling down the final judgment of a movie? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's some little bit that could be said to that. I mean, because sometimes you'll see an achievement and it'll make you go like, wow, what an achievement if it was done by one person. I think that, that there's an element of that to it. But then ultimately as a, as a work, it has to still do the work to work for you as a lot of works there <laughs> to work for yeah. you as a piece of art. So like for me, for example, I guess I'm kind of in the middle. I, I, I think as far as an achievement and as far as tone and mood and look and dread and kind of inventiveness, it's, it's a, a five, but for story, that's where I start to have issues. I almost wish for me for my taste, I wish it would have stayed more focused. Like I wish it would have stayed more on just the single guy, kind of the single guy in the forest dealing with this entity. And maybe you could get hints of his life and stuff through recordings and photos and things with him. But when it started adding all the other characters, I started getting confused. I started not being able to understand like, okay, the first guy that appears in his cabin, is that real? Wait, that is a real guy. Wait, no, is he imagining him? No, he's real. And that happened to me throughout. He, there's a woman, a younger woman he meets up with. Is she dead? Is she alive? Wait, is she there? Is she a ghost? So, and I kept having those experiences throughout this movie. So as it progressed, I actually became more frustrated because I became more confused, even though all of the tone stuff was working. And then on top of that, I had one other complication, which doesn't usually come into play, but I had some real ethical questions about this movie because mm -hmm. I... I think it's totally fair game to, you know, use something like, you know, oh, yes. you know, mental situations. I mean, we've talked about Relic, Hereditary. These are all movies I love. I Dick Johnson is dead. Yeah, they deal with some difficult things. With now, Dick Johnson is dead is a great example because there you have a willing participant who is knowingly participating in the events, and then as it progresses through time, the filmmaker starts to question whether she should keep going because she's starting to wonder if he's as aware of what's going on and here i got the feeling it was teetering more towards exploitation because there's every indication from what i'm reading and seeing that the grandmother wasn't totally aware of what's going on to the point that he put actors in there to play her grandson and she didn't know the difference so you had an actor sitting next to her and she literally doesn't know that this isn't her son because the or grandson because the guy starts saying i'm your grandson don't you remember me and she's actually thinking it's her grandson. So for me, uh, that knocks it a whole star lower. And I don't usually judge movies on that kind of thing, but I think that in the same way you can judge it up for you know the, the feat of doing this all on his own, I think you can judge it down for using another person possibly without their consent. And That's I think it's a real, it's a real yeah. touchy thing to go into, but for me, it really rubbed me the wrong way. I, yeah. I don't I, know where I, to fall on that, Eric. Yeah. You're I, saying. I would say I, I, that's an absolutely fair point. The only, I, I guess where I don't have an issue with it is that it's his mom and he's been doing this. Like he, the, this is a story in a movie that's been 
took so long to do. So I'm wondering, you know, how much did they have that conversation before, you know, uh, probably not, probably not that uh, specific stunt you were talking about, but I don't know what, uh, I don't know what conversations they've had or what, you know, what it's his a, relationship was like with his mom. I, I, yeah. did, I guess I just kind of give him the benefit of the, the doubt on top of that, it's his mom. So I'm assuming that he wouldn't, I, I can't imagine that he would intentionally and maliciously exploit her like that. I don't think it's malicious, but I think, I mean, the person's probably just thinking this is part of our family and the way it's been. And I'm using it as part of the the texture to this piece and kind of giving it some veracity. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think that's how it's being used, which I understand that, but I, this is just my personal take on it. But I heard enough things that made me really uneasy and I would want to hear more that would make me less uneasy. And especially when I was hearing the things about a person acting against his actual family member who possibly isn't even aware enough to understand what's happening, that really seemed very iffy to me. So that to me, I I have to have, I have to have it proved to me the other way around at this point. So I guess. And that is his, that is Graham's late grandmother. June Peterson late. So the movie is dedicated to her at the beginning. And yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Bruce, and it's a tough one. Ultimately the the material itself was, it resonated with me in the sense of the mental Mm -hmm. illness part. And I think Seder, the evil is the evil of, you know, with the whole, the idea of mortality, right? There where time Time is the conqueror, right? Time always wins. Time, <laughs> you can't defeat time, and I, that's a little. That's one of the themes in this movie as well. But I, I, I really felt like this was, in a weird way, with all of its creepiness and moodiness and at- atmospheric tones. This ultimately was really, in, in many ways, a, a family, family coming apart of the seams type of drama, which was interesting. Well, I like, I like the combination of the two. That's that's what I'm trying well, to say. Well, well, it was also a family story. Because the yeah. Seder's mm-hmm. an invention of the family. This is something that he's grown up with. Uh, this is something his mom grew up with. So, you know, because this is like generations. So, yeah, I, I I totally get what you're saying, Bruce. But I don't know. There's, there's uh, I, I think the fact that he's so uh, much a part of this and yeah. it's so personal to this or this is so personal to him uh, to the point that, you know, this was uh, this was something that was thrust upon him. You know, maybe this is his way of getting it out. I don't know. But to your point, you know, you can't. <laughs> yeah. It's a total it, it, judgment it, thing, I think. I'm going to say, yeah. like, I could see you going either way on this one. For me, it rubbed me just wrong enough, but I could totally yeah. understand the other side of it too. For me, I, I would say, if I'm going to lean in this kind of a subject matter, I'm going to go with Relic a thousand times. And yeah. I'm probably going to go a little way from this one. But with the caveat being, this guy's incredibly talented and I really look forward to what else he's going to make because he can do a hell of a lot with what he's done right here. So I, I guess uh, just to, you know, um, I think if this was a director that did that to just some actor, mentally ill actor that he hired, I would definitely 100% be in your camp about this. But I think the fact that it's, it's all kind of in how, like even the actors are his friends, you know, it, it, there's no, as far as right. I can tell, there's no paid actors. Yeah. And so th- this is the kind of the equivalent of making a movie in your backyard with your friends, except the movie looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. You know what? The movie we looks all agree fantastic. On that. <laughs> yeah. The movie looks fantastic. Should we 
put a caveat where if you don't, if you want the story to be explained, if you want a ton of action left and right, do not see Seder. And can we also, right. And can we also add if mood and atmosphere and that whole world, world building in a very oblique fashion, then Seder could be that ticket, right? Yeah. Like the Vich, if you like the Vich, the Vich or like Gretel and Hansel and some of those kind of movies. Yeah. This is, this is going to be right up your alley. It only come. It, it comes at night. This kind of yes. has that. Sort yes, of flavor I was yes. Think, yes, I was thinking um, that as I, well. I wanted to. Uh, I had it, then I lost it. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You could have said F U C K, Eric, because we're. I, I always put on our podcast description. We're an explicit show. Oh. we have an E. So swear away. You can yeah, use, I, use I, F U C Bruce if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember what I was going to say. We were talking about, uh, Greg, you mentioned, should a movie, when you know about what it is. Right, is that sure. So it, the good example I can think of that is I watched the movie, not knowing anything. I loved the movie, found out some more stuff, and then was, I guess, more intrigued about the movie. And then now after talking to Bruce, kind of a little iffy on something. But yeah, I'm so the, glad that, yeah. knowing, knowing that he did all the stuff himself definitely made me more impressed with it. Yes, but it didn't. It didn't. It. It's not like I hated the movie, found that out, and then loved the movie. A good example of that is uh, "Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song." Not a good movie, but you watch like Badass, like you know how Melvin Van Peebles, what he had to do to get that movie made, what it meant to people at the time, so on and so forth, is very interesting. It makes me appreciate the movie more. I still don't want to see it again because it just put me to sleep. And uh, as far as uh, <laughs> I'm guessing, Bruce might be. No, no, no. I was just going to add back to it. And the original question that Greg had, I also do it the opposite way. And I think it's only fair if you do it the opposite way to do it the other way. In other words, I often have this, and you've seen this from me before, I'll have this bigger negative reaction if they have all of the tools in the world, right? You know, you've got like the whole kingdom at your disposal of special effects and money and cast and crew and blah, blah, and time and all this stuff. And yet you make something that's bland. So I will knock it down a further star because of that. So that's like the same exact thing, but in reverse, yeah. you know? So, Oh, ne- ne- never mind. I thought, I thought you were going to talk about the, uh, uh, the ethics of sweet, sweet backs, badass song. No, 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 no. Van Peebles first sex scene at the very I, beginning of it. I'm not, I will not be bringing us down every time on this thing. <laughs> no, but ultimately, well, I don't approve of the, the politics here, you know? Well, oh I, no, not I, the, I, not the politics, but the opening scene is Mario Van Peebles as a kid having sex with a, uh, having sex with a prostitute. And if yeah, I'm, I, out. I'm out, I'm <laughs> out. As, as I recall, that might've actually been a thing that happened, but I, I don't know. This is not about Sweet Sweetback's badass song. This is about Seder. Fantastic movie. Yes, Melvin, Melvin Van Peebles will Good not movie. be our next director spotlight. Our next director spotlight is Eric Holmes. What is it again? Who, are, who is our next director spotlight? The next one is Ralph Bakshi. We're doing, uh, yes. uh, what, what did we say? Sea Skin and Wizards. Yes. Sea Skin meaning coon Raccoon skin. Okay, skin folks. Ah. Raccoon wizards. skin. Okay, wait, you have to say the name. I see Look, skin. C-O-O-N skin. I, they've said it on podcasts before. I I listened. I cheated. I listened to a Ralph Bakshi podcast, and they were mentioning Seaskin all the all the time. So yeah. 
yeah, I, sh- I feel bad saying actually COO in right now, but let's just say C skin. Okay. <laughs> but okay. So skin, we're watching for skin, for skin. Okay. So that will be oh us in a couple of weeks. For, that'll be us in a couple of weeks for Rob Bakshi. That's Eric Holmes's pick, our recent director spotlight as Bruce. Hey, I'm looking, I'm looking for the rails. We, we've lost them. <laughs> we are, we are lost in the rails. Okay. We are com- coming off the rails. We're not on them anymore. Yeah. And, and Bruce Brookie's uh, last pick was Jacques Turner, which we just uploaded on our podcast feed a couple of days ago. But Going back to Seder, Bruce Perky, would, would you ultimately recommend Seder or because yes. of the big stuff? Okay. I would recommend it the same way you recommended it to people who like that really kind of slow burn, kind of all that stuff. And just take into account what I said, make your own judgments. And once again, I could be swayed either way. If I hear a couple of interviews with him and I kind of know a little more about it, I might be right back up there. So for me, it's I'd say it's a mid-level good. It's not quite as enthusiastic as Eric, but I would still recommend it. Yeah. By the way, I'm a total city slicker. I don't even go to, go to the, my backyard because there's plants there. Okay. Listeners, if you have any kind of aversion to the outdoors, Seder's not going to really help you. <laughs> this is going to make you really never want to go. Right, guys? Never <laughs> no, go No, I wanted to be in that cabin. Weirdly, I wanted to be in that cabin. Really? Yes. Yeah. It looked yeah. awesome. You How in the you, cabin Eric? drinking moonshine? What? what you... How about you, Eric? You want to uh, be in that cabin? Yes. Yes. See? Oh, could you? I'll, I'll get a headdress with some antlers. We'll have some good. Yeah. good I, I, I don't know how much would be a spoiler. In fact, I, I don't know if you could spoil this movie because it's so it's so kind of uh, like internal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, if, if if I was in the one character's position where the thing started coming in the cabin, I'd be like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> Yeah, when that when that like it just shows the door from the from the back of the yes from the back of the hallway, and then you see that hand like just come up and just like grab the door. I'm like, oh, so good! I love this. <laughs> so Eric Holmes really enjoyed it. Are you telling me both of you guys could actually rough it out there in a the cabin out out in the remote forest like that for about a week or two? You guys, could oh, do that? oh yeah, without, easy a week, even without even without satyrs like or with yeah. satyrs going around yeah. or without yeah. satyrs walking around. I, yeah, yeah, I'd hang it. Okay, I could I could last twenty minutes. So I'm I'm horrible when it comes to that. Anyway, Seder, it's available in digital via digital on in North American markets. North American markets, February 9th. That is Seder. That's such an interesting movie, written, directed, done everything and uh, shot, etc. Edited, like Eric Holmes was saying, maybe a little bit of the score from Jordan Graham. Right, that's his name. Mm-hmm. So really interesting, really interesting filmmaker. Would love to know what he thinks about. You know that that whole situation with his grandmother. I definitely have to listen to some of those podcasts regarding his thoughts on that using a family member in that light. Interesting stuff. So now we're doing our movie rewind, where various uh, members of our of our uh, of our of our find your film crew they'll we we'll see we'll watch each other's films now and again. We'll take and uh, Bruce, do you ever rewind first? I do. Yes. What you got? But first, oh, quick little preview. No, we all yes, we all need okay. to pay attention to an upcoming movie that's called The Beta Test. It's about to premiere in film festivals, but hasn't done it yet. And it's going to star Jim Cummings and co-starring Virginia Newcomb. Mm, that's going to be something. And it's directed by Jim Cummings and written by Jim Cummings. So, yes. And, and so many he, thumbs up. I can't even stop. We here at Find Your Film, and especially even before, you know, before that even movie Mainline, we are huge fans of that film, The Death of Dick Long. Virginia Newcomb is one of the headliners in that highly underrated, underseen movie. If you can, it's an A24 release. 
get thee to a nunnery and watch the death of Dick Long. Very, yes. yes. A and movie we, that you've seen it a, a, a couple of times, Bruce. It, mm-hmm. it upscales every time, right? It just, uh, it's great. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> and we can only hope that uh, when beta test comes out, a bunch of satyrs pop up. Just make it <laughs> the perfect movie. Very cool. Right in the middle of their conversations. <laughs> okay, right. what, you, what you got first? Yeah, uh, I got Malcolm and Marie, which you recommended last week or talked about last week, 2021, Netflix, Sam Levinson directed it. Two actors, that's it. John David Washington, which I am now a pure fan of at this point after only seeing three of his movies, I think. Um, and Zendaya? Or Zendaya? Which Zendaya. one did we decide? Zendaya. Zendaya. Okay. Yes. As Marie and Malcolm. And this movie is, uh, I was a little trepidatious. I didn't know which way I'd go on this movie. And I loved the first hour. And then it, it lost me a little bit. It went on a little too long for my, my taste. But it, it, ultimately, it was, it's, it's a recommend. So I would say it's, it's definitely a good movie. Once again, we don't have to go into all the details of it other than he just recently premiered his film. He comes home with her after premiere, starts out with all this excitement and then slowly leads into a cavalcade of ups and downs and uh, fights and makeups and breakups and scathing moments and some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cinematography throughout and some great shooting for a play-like movie he does, um, Levinson does a lot of really interesting things with the camera, especially using this very windowed glass encased house. You can see into it from almost any angle. So he really takes advantage of that with a lot of you know, long shots where he's outside the house, watching them inside and then goes inside with them. And it's, it's really great. But I think that Zendaya, I, I had never really seen her much. So I thought she was pretty darn good only a couple of moments where she faltered a little bit, but strong work. But John David Washington is off the rails on this movie. He's so good. He's just bouncing off the walls with charisma and energy. And you hate him at certain times. And then you kind of like him at certain times. Then you're watching him talk about movies and you're going, yes. And then critics and you're, wait, wait, that's me. Wait, what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> no. Ultimately, I would say it's a recommend. I would say uh, you might find yourself Self like me kind of going like okay how many times can they fight and then break and break up and kind of and then kind of get back together and have these things to happen but I, I kind of wished it would just tightened a little bit and kind of led to a little more of a crescendo but I see what he was doing so minor just a minor quibble Bruce do you understand why the movies received just a slew of negative reviews negative reviews there's been a lot people like me and you who enjoyed the film but I was yeah. really surprised at a huge torrent of just negativity around this movie. I think the biggest complaints people have are either there's the people that want to have characters they like. Like, I think some people really do like a movie based on liking at least a character. And these two people are very, they're very unlikable if that's your issue with them. You could, I can imagine people just not liking them at all. And I think the other thing about it is um, kind of the same way you get with, writers that have a very strong written voice um woody allen you know pick your pick your director that has a really david strong, uh, david Tar- mamet tarantino you know yeah. so some people if they hear that kind of dialogue it's too artificial for them and it mm. pulls them out because this is definitely written you can hear in some of the things you're like well there's no way that guy would be able to spout off that 
tirade in that much eloquence with that much biting information that true, but it's a movie the way I look at it, it's a movie, you know, it is written and you either, if you don't like that vibe or you just don't like the characters, then that could be a double whammy of negativity. And you could be like, I'm out, you know? So yeah. I'm glad you liked it. Okay. So that is first, that is first rewind Malcolm and Marie Eric Holmes. You have the second rewind of the episode. What is it? Yes. I also saw a movie movie on net movie on Netflix <laughs> um, directed by George C. Wolf based on an August Wilson play. It's called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes. And this movie was great. I love this movie so much. I I loved Fences. I watched that. It, it took me, it's kind of similar to this. It's like saw Fences. I, I like Denzel Washington, but it took a, took a while to uh, get into. And I believe Viola Davis is in Fences too. And mm-hmm. uh, yep. I, I don't know, the, 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 the title Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was like, uh, it's just, it, it, it sounded, I don't know. I, it just didn't sound like anything I'd watch, but I kept, I kept thinking, wow, that's the same guy that same guy that wrote fences and I love fences. So, you know, I finally pulled the trigger and watched my Rainey's black bottom. Yeah. It, it, they should have just called it fences too, or fences in the basement. Cause that's kind of, uh, kind of a similar thing, which sounds bad, but it's not because fences is fantastic. And so is this, and I don't want to give away the ending, but the ending to this one, is better than fences. I there yeah. there's a thing. Yeah. There's it's a explosive. thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. There, there there's a thing that happened that I was like it and it moved me. Viola Davis, I mean she's great in everything. She's fantastic in this. I didn't even know it was her until halfway through. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, she seems familiar. I had to look it up and like, no, that is not Viola Davis. It was like she just completely Gary Oldman or rolling this. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman's getting a lot of awards love. And I can tell you for a fact, this is not, uh, we're just throwing him something because he's dead. This performance is, everyone's performance in this is great. And the, you know, there's not much, not much story. It's just people in a basement rehearsing to play a song called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Viola Davis is Ma Rainey. She's kind of a, sort of a curmudgeon. Yeah, she has no, a way of doing things. She's an old schooler. Well, not only that, but like you would, uh, by today's standards, you might, uh, you know, just kind of wave her off as a diva. But mm. considering the time it's set in, she's been fucked over many, many, many times. And she just is not suffering fools. And she's not, she's done putting up with it. Like when you first see her, she's just kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of walking through a room, just like sneering at everyone. It's like, man, what she like? Why is she pissed off at everyone? And but then you think of who she is and the time she's in. It's like, nah, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's totally earned. And then uh, Chadwick Boseman, like uh, his character and his character's backstory, because like a, a you know, all this takes place in one area, so there's no like flashbacks or anything. It's this is the example of tell don't show, you know, the opposite mm. of what's air quotes supposed to happen. But when you got actors as good as this, they can really tell a story and sell it. And uh, writing as good as this is, um, cause I, I haven't seen the, uh, the one you guys were talking about Malcolm and Marie, Malcolm and Marie. Yeah. I'm dumb. Sorry. But, uh, uh, they do have, uh, monologues in this, but the monologues are kind of written similar to how David Mamet writes, where there's a lot of 
they're talking over the tripping over their own words, repeating themselves. And, you know, they're talking over themselves and repeating themselves. And sometimes they repeat themselves and, you know, it, 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 it has like a natural kind of flow to the dialogue, which I think is fantastic in this. And I, after watching Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Fences, uh, if they come out with any other August Wilson adaptations, I will not sleep on them at all. Cause I, I, he's two for two, as far as I'm concerned. And I think there was a TV movie based on something. Now that I'm less hyped about because TV movies, you know, are either hit or miss. But yeah, it's a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic dialogue, fantastic acting, fantastic everything. And anyone that wins any awards for this completely deserve. But yeah, uh, Riz Ahmed's going to win Best Oscars. Or yeah, best actor, so. Yes, we hope he does. We love Riz Ahmed from Sound of Metal. But Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, because I always wondered about or just in general i always wondered about when people even our buddy anderson cowan sometimes he'll he'll complain oh the movie is it's like a play and i i get it we were just talking about Seder. Seder is um it's atmospheric so it's cinematic in, in a so we can forgive that in right. a sense right but when you say a movie's like a play but it's yeah, movies like a play, but movies can be play like. There's there's no yeah. rules against a movie being play like play like. And to your point, Eric, August Wilson's writing in Fences and here with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, it's fantastic. So even though it is all telling and not showing, it's just fantastic writing. And when you have that, we were talking about Aaron Sorkin, Trial of the Chicago Seven has both facets. But even though Ma Rainey's Black Bottom doesn't have flashbacks or doesn't show much i don't think that's a demerit to the overall quality of this film this is a film that is basically a filmed play there's the production the production design is beautiful right but i just i just find, i love this movie i love this movie and i really feel bad for people who say well i'm not going to see this movie because it has a play-like feel that's no yeah movies can I, be plays yeah eric i i, I think that i think the uh differences between a good version of this and a bad version of this is a good version of this has uh the characters have points of views you know they have something interesting to say if you have this exact same setup and the writing's not good or the characters are one-dimensional or there's no real strong point of view or the point of view is so widely accepted to the point of uh like yeah we we know one plus one equals two why even bring it up like that yeah that there's, there's yeah there's a lot of avenues going into the conversations that they have with each other and to me that's that's what separates a good version of this versus a bad version if if you got people in the bottom or you know people just say you know what racism's bad I'm, okay <laughs> there's nothing interesting we all agree with it well most people agree with that but uh you know but they're not talking about that they, you know they're talking about religion they're talking about what it means to be an artist they're talking about uh you know all sorts of stuff and it's all interesting at least to me it is in fact yeah. one night in miami that's a perfect example of something like this you got four different people with four completely different points of view all talking to each other, butting heads, agreeing sometimes, not agreeing others. And it just, it, it makes it interesting because the conversation they're having is interesting. Much like this podcast. Oh, much like this <laughs> podcast. So hopefully Bruce down the, Bruce down the line, hopefully Ma Rainey's Black Bottom yeah. will be in your purview. I know you watch a lot of movies. It's, it's been on my list for a while and it just, you know how it is. You keep moving forward and keep bumping things around. You're like, oh crap, I never watched that. So it's, it's definitely on there to watch for sure. 
Yes, we Bruce Perky is a self-admitted it's a self-admitted self-admitted shutter shill. We are a little bit of a Netflix shill as well as we get a lot of links from Netflix as well. We I don't even know if there's an embargo on I care a lot yet, but just a little bit of a teaser, all three of us for next week's episode will be reviewing I care a lot. I don't know if we can give a reaction, but Eric Holmes, can you are you there, determined on on discussing a spoiler a special well, spoiler there, section? There is no embargo, but they they ask that we hold, you know, it, it's like there's no embargo, but if you can just wait till the week of release. So I will I, I will hold to their uh, to their uh, <laughs> requests, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK, very, very just that that's fine. That's fine enough. And maybe we will we what we're, what we've been doing, listeners and viewers, we're we're starting some select films. We'll do spoilers and we'll put it on our find your scene dot com site and we'll put it on a SoundCloud audio. And so you'll you can listen to this main podcast feed right here where we don't give spoilers. And if you want to continue that swimming in that movie universe we'll have spoilers of select films and we'll make sure to tell you on the regular feed once the spoilers come out our first recommendation this week goes to bruce perky bruce what do you have for our recommendations yes i don't have any shutter movies this week so i'm going to be a netflix somewhat netflix chill this week (laughs) netflix and chill is what i'm going to be doing (laughs) good good nothing wrong with that i'm doing the movie below zero also oh boy i'm going to start pronouncing everything badly here it's a Spanish film. So the original title is Bajo Cero, Bajo Cero. Okay. Uh, 2021 release. Luis Quiles is the director. I, it's terrible. And the main character, there's a lot of characters, but the main character you have is Martin, played by Javier Gutierrez. And he, I saw a couple of years ago on another really good Spanish film called The Occupant. And this is one of these actors that if you start watching a few Spanish films, he seems to be one of their major actors because I've seen him pop up a couple of times. He's really recognizable. So this, if you're looking for a solid kind of uh, tough action sort of movie, but good. And I feel like it has some actual stakes to it when you kind of, as it unfolds, uh, this is going to be possibly something you're interested in. So here's wait, the- wait a second. It doesn't start Scott Adkins. What's going on here? Yeah, Eric, no. this is weird. <laughs> it, the, the remake might. I could see the remake starring uh, him. Okay. So, okay. Uh, this actually, this guy, Martin, he looks kind of like just a, a middle aged kind of doesn't look like especially buff or tough or anything. He actually looks kind of small. He starts out and he is a he's a prison guard. He's going to work. His wife is also a guard. They split up. See you later. Blah blah blah. He goes to work. Meets his his partner for the day. He's never met this guy before, and they start. They have a little walk and talk. And the other guy has been there for a while. And he says, yeah, what we're doing today is we're going to be transporting. It's like six guys, six or seven guys. We're going to be transporting them from this prison to the other prison tonight. And he starts giving him the rundown on all the guys. The next scene is all of the guys are coming into the room. They're, they're being, taking their strip searching. As you meet each guy, you kind of get their personality. They search them, make sure they have anything on them. They put them in this big van and this van, if you can describe it, it's, I feel like in American movies, a lot of times the transport van is just like a small van with like seats in the side and they may shackle mm-hmm. them. This is like about the size of a motorhome, like a big giant armored vehicle about the size of a motorhome. And on the walls of it are cells. So there's little individual cells all the way along the walls for each prisoner. And then there's like a gated off section right behind the cab of the truck. And one guard sits inside of the back of the truck behind a gate and the other guy 
or Martine is driving the truck and they set off on a frozen night through the countryside, through the forest. And right after they start driving, you see, I don't know, a mile or two ahead on the road, an unknown person throw a uh, spike strip across the road. And they only have a two man police car as an escort. And that sets things into motion. Mm. And it is a really good actioner. It takes a lot of turns you don't expect. It's almost almost like Con Air in a van, but not near as over the top or hammy as that movie is. This is much more gritty and it's it's solid. This is a solid action movie. This sounds like an Eric Holmes movie. Yes. <laughs> I think Eric Holmes will like this movie. And I won't say what it is, but there is a very clear RoboCop homage in this movie that when you ha- see it happen, you'll be like, oh yes, I see what that is. <laughs> Can I guess what the homage is? You can try. They shoot the main character for 15 minutes until he's just like just a pile of blood and then rebuild him into a robot. What did that happen? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> I wasn't far off. <laughs> but I would just say there's a lot more that in this movie, it does a lot of a lot of turns that I think are all pretty interesting and smart and better than you'd think. Um, you know, you assume it's gonna be you know, some bad guys trying to break out some of these other guys, but that's not exactly what's happening. And I'm not going to go into any details, but the way this whole thing progresses is it's really quite entertaining and, and a lot of good tension and a pretty good payoff too. Okay. So that is Below Zero on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yep. By the way, our podcast is not sub- sponsored by Netflix, but <laughs> Netflix, if you sponsored us, we'd only cover Netflix films. I'm, I'm the number one chill here. Come on, give us some money. But no, th- th- I'm so excited to see Below Zero. And uh, yeah, you know, speaking of Scott Adkins, we haven't covered a Scott Adkins film in, in what? Since Max Cloud. How long has that been? Eric Holmes, you know, months. Too long. <laughs> too long, right? What's what's yeah. going on with that? Well, doesn't gotta... he put out like five movies a year or six yeah. movies a year? Come yeah, on we, now. <laughs> we've got, we've well, got it's, a... co- it's COVID times. You know, he's gotta he's gonna pump the brakes a little. So okay. that's true. Okay. So that is below zero. Eric Holmes, you're not pumping the brakes. You're you're traveling forward. You're going light, light speed. What's your next what's your first recommendation? Well, my next recommendation, movie directed by Joe Russo, not of the Russo brothers. I don't know if you guys listen to uh postmortem with mick garris but is uh kind of co-host kind of yeah his kind of co-host kind of producer his name's joe russo no relation to the russo brothers as far as i know but uh i, I follow him on twitter and he made uh he he posted something about wandavision and then i came in with my snide remark because i'm an asshole sometimes <laughs> not on this podcast of course but in, really in real life i can be an asshole um <laughs> But he was like, dude, you got to look, I, I saw the first three episodes of WandaVision. I just wasn't into it. And he's like, no, you got to see the fourth episode. And I made a I made a trade with him. Uh, and I was like, look, I'll watch I'll watch episode four tonight. If you promise to watch either lose the flowery feeble or Uncle Peckerhead. And he said deal. I don't know if he held up his end of the deal or not. But uh, watch WandaVision episode four, and it, and it was pretty good. It, de- it definitely uh, broke away from its gimmick and to the point where I'd, I'd recommend it. Although if you're going to watch WandaVision, just start at episode three. You don't need to watch the first two episodes. <laughs> just start at episode three, you get the gimmick, and then set episode four kind of goes on with the story and so on and so forth. And they have the uh, previously on WandaVision, so you don't get too lost. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> yeah. I, I watched it, and we kind of went back and forth on Twitter about WandaVision. And then... Uh, I mentioned, I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to know what you, 
think of Uncle Peckerhead or Lose a Flower Weevil, whichever one you choose. Or or you can just recommend me another movie and I'll watch that and you just watch both of them. And it's like, yeah, that sounds good. And then I forgot, I knew because I listened to the postmortem podcast, so I knew that he was working on a movie, but I didn't know what it was. Because uh, I never really looked it up, but I did, and he did one called the Au Pair Nightmare, mm. which so I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'll watch this one. He's like, cool, let me know what you think, and I did, and I'm doing it now. I don't know if he'll listen to this, but hey, Joe Russo, if you listen to this, about to tell you what I think. This movie is a straight up Lifetime movie, so right away, if you love Lifetime movies like my sister does, this will be absolutely up your alley. If you hate Lifetime movies, you do not want to watch this because it commits fully to that whole Lifetime aesthetic. It's a uh, a woman, she gets a uh, job as an au pair who's basically a living nanny to a couple well-to-do, uh, you know, well-to-do husband and wife. They need someone to watch their daughter as they do their, you know, important work. And so she gets there and right away the wife doesn't like her. Uh, the husband kind of does, but there's something odd about this husband and wife duo. And as what happens in these type of movies, the further along you get into the story, the more she's kind of starts peeling away at the onion of this weirdness that's going on. The only, the only real problem I had with this was I was kind of hoping in the back of my head that this would go full on uh, martyrs by the end of it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I, I, how cool would that be? You're watching this just straight up. Placement. Like, <laughs> well, well you do a straight up, you do a straight up lifetime movie, like a, a non ironic version of a lifetime movie. And then just slowly like going to like, just, it, it didn't quite do that. It kind of gets there, but uh, this is, this is not going to be a movie for everyone. But if you're into those Lifetime movies, this is probably one of the better ones. And I think even some people that might not like the Lifetime movies, you know, this would be a good example of a cheeseburger. You know, there's some like, you know what? I, I, I can get into this or, you know, maybe it's not for you. But I mean, you'll know. It's also one you'll know in the first 10, 15 minutes if, if you're on board or not. But I, I think it's fun. And uh, I'd, I'd watch it again. And I know for a fact my sister is going to love the living shit out of this movie. Fair this enough. Is right up, this is right up her alley. But all yeah, right. I, I'll pair a nightmare. Check it out or don't. But uh, either way, Joe Russo, you could tell the aesthetic he was going for and he nailed it. And as we were talking about with the Seder, we talked about the behind the scenes. Dude had like two weeks to shoot this. And it looks clean as hell. Like the like all all the shots are per you know you know the acting's lifetime acting, but you know that's kind of the style of the movie. But hearing what he had to go through behind the scenes and how little time and how little money, how little resources he had, and he was able to get a movie this clean out alone is fantastic. And I guess he's buddies with Mick Garris, who also does that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of makes sense. But yeah, all pair nightmare. <laughs> I believe this is on YouTube and Amazon Prime. Uh it's on YouTube. It's on the it's on the lifetime YouTube channel. So I think that's fair. But if not, mm-hmm. it's on Amazon Prime if you want to rent that. And yeah, if you have if you have any family members that like this type of movie, recommend this to them because this is going to be something they're absolutely going to eat up. Okay, so that is The Opair Nightmare. Interesting. Directed by Joe Russo. By the way, Eric Holmes, if you have been going this back and forth with Joe Russo, now your fault. Joe Russo, if you're listening to this, now you know where, how you can reach Eric Holmes, not just via Twitter. You know his face. 
Oh, he didn't want to reach me. He doesn't want to reach you. He doesn't want to reach reach me. (laughs) But you know what? Surprise. Joe Russo. Interesting. I was just looking at his IMDb. He's the co-writer of this movie with Jesse Metcalf, Bruce Willis, Lala Kent, called Hard Kill. Several months ago, I interviewed the director, Matt Eskandari. The movie right now on IMDb has a rating of 3.7 out of 10. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought this movie was fun. I recommend the Joe Russo co-written script. That's the movie Hard Kill starring Bruce Willis. Really low budget, but not low grade action thriller. Jesse Metcalf, you, you might know him from Desperate Housewives. He's good in the movie. I had a fun time. You know what? There's, there's always going to be a subset of people who they're going to like the Hallmark Channel movies. They're going to like the Lifetime movies, right? And there's also a market for these action thrillers that are low budget and everyone's slagging on it. But there are people, myself included, who will find appreciation for such movies. So I'm a huge fan of these type of action thrillers. I recommend Hard Kill. I may check out the Au Pair Nightmare as well. Bruce Berkey, what what else you got? This is one on Amazon Prime Video. And it is possibly only recommended to you too. (laughs) I don't know. This is going to be a very, very specific recommendation. This is The Editor, 2014, directed by Adam Brooks and Matthew Kennedy. Do we know who Adam Brooks is? Adam Brooks. Adam Brooks. He sounds familiar. Hmm. Could he be the guy who acted and played the father in Psycho Gorman? Maybe. Oh, (laughs) yes, he would be. No, he isn't. It's PG Psycho Gorman, man. (laughs) PG for short. Come on. No, either way, way, Bruce, you're right too. Either way, with the moniker. Sorry. So Adam Brooks is the co writer, co director, and star of the editor, which is a straight, very specific parody of giallo movies it is all parody of giallo movies i would hesitate to recommend this to many people i still don't even totally recommend it to you two because some parts of it are cringy as hell and some parts of it are i can't get out of my head wait udo kier is in here udo kier i haven't said all around yet you got udo kier in here you also have doing some of the special effects steven kostansky Oh, the director cool. of PG Psycho Gorman. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, this is all some crazy family of film people in Canada that goes by Astron 6. And oh. they've made a bunch of these weird movies. They have one called Manborg. They have a, a bunch of these. And I probably am going to start diving into some of these because so far their aesthetic is pretty great. Um, what can I say about this movie? It's bonkers. Like most Giallo it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The main character is the editor that's played by Adam Brooks. His name is Ray Cecil, and he is missing some of his fingers. So he's got wooden fingers on his one hand, and it causes his editing to not be as good as it used to be. And you get a backstory eventually of how that happened. The whole movie is spoken in English, but overdubbed, just like Giallo movies. So every line is overdubbed in this movie by the actors over their own selves acting the parts. So it's got that weird sound. It's got some incredible, strange gore effects in here, but they're all appropriate to Giallo. It's got some very direct references to many, many, many Giallo movies. Got over sex scenes that don't even need to be there, but are sometimes hilarious. I, I can't even go into all the things. Oh, and there's a, a main 
a main investigator, like a police officer. And he is very, he's a very Donald Sutherland-esque from the old days. You know, he's got the, the mustache and the curly hair and, and he's, he's amazing as well. Also, I think Paz de la Huerta is in this. Paz de la Huerta. She is a very interesting actress. How is she in this yeah. one? She is weird and bonkers in this movie. Almost everybody is weird and bonkers in this movie. It's I, How can you not recommend it to other just me than me and Eric? This sounds like <laughs> you're not playing to the front row. This sounds like a playing to the bleachers type of movie. There's there's a lot more what well, I, I okay. This is the movie that I can guarantee that some people will absolutely hate because it's comedy and everyone's comedy sense is different. And some of the stuff definitely doesn't work here, but there's enough things that work spectacularly for me. Visually, I'm just, just <laughs> gags in here are just, there's some hilarious gags, but I think the more Giallo you've seen, the more you'll really appreciate what they're doing here. It's, it's ridiculous, but I found it a lot of fun and it's, well, I didn't look at the time, but it's probably like 80 minutes, 87 minutes, something like that. So hey, oh, wow. the editor, the editor, are you going to see that Eric Holmes? Does that sound, does that pique your interest? Yes. In fact, I did earlier when Bruce mentioned it uh, off air and then I completely forgot about it until he started talking about it. I'm like, oh, right. He was talking about this. <laughs> so I plan to. I might forget again. It's pretty. Yes, I, I, I will get to this one. I'm not going to mention something that doesn't matter at all, really. But funny little things like, I mean, it's making fun of these kind of exploitative giallo things. And they're always half the time they're on the set, you know, and they'll be on the set and there'll be some woman in the background just stripping for no reason and stretching, you know, stuff, walking through the scene naked, just little things like that. It's like, it's absolutely not needing to be there. That's the whole point, you know? So hey, there'll Bruce, be things like that throughout this. Bruce, say, Eric, this movie sucks. You should never watch it. This movie is so terrible. I mean, I, it's like if you took Tenet and threw it into Fat Man and they had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I will watch this next week. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. That is okay. So that is the editors currently streaming as we speak on Amazon prime video. We most likely I'm going to see it. Eric Holmes is going to see it. And we're going to probably do a rewind next week for the editor. Because because any kind of universe surrounding PG for short PG psycho Gorman, we've got to start. And what is that collective that they're part of now that you've infiltrated Bruce Perky? What, What are they called? Astron 6. Astron 6. Astron the, 6. Just yes. go to their webpage and look at all the movie posters that they've made. They've made yes. like multiple movie posters for each thing and they're just beautiful, beautiful okay. movie posters. Speaking of which, I, we... Oh, Eric, yes. I, I, I was going to say, I know the whole idea of a collective isn't a new thing, but like uh, between this and... and Dick Long. Well, Uncle, Pe- Uncle Peckerhead was just a one movie, but yeah, Dick Long and, and uh, you know... I. It's, it's really cool watching similar filmmakers kind of just keep coming back. It's a, it's almost like a, Hey, you guys are doing your thing and they're entertaining to watch. And it, it, it it's kind of like a rooting for a rooting for a sports team, but you're rooting for a filmmaking team. Yeah. Well, and if nothing else, like you see a movie like this and, and you see certain actors again, like, like the Adam Brooks guy. Right. And he's the star of this one. And his character is so, you're going to love, if nothing else, I guarantee you, you will love his character as the editor. He is just hilarious. And then you see him in Psycho Garmin being a totally different kind of character. And you're like, this guy's a great actor, but he's just kind of, he's an everyday looking guy, right? So he's not going to get roles in these big budget Hollywood movies, probably. But he's a star in this universe and he's awesome, you know? So, Oh, man, I'm telling you, PG Psycho Gorman, I love that movie so much. And I, I'm so... I, in my own alternate universe, there would be a movie about the character he plays. I think his name's Greg, the dad. 
There'd be, there'd be, how did the dad get to this level of being this passive aggressive dad? I would love a prequel to that, to PG Psycho Gorman. And that's the kind dad of what is- the editors like, because it's like, this guy is, this is editing Giallo movies and it's his story, you know? So that's it's amazing. Kind of like- and then I'd love a prequel with the Templar, the, the Templar's adventures. So, oh, by the way, PG, okay, I, I'm now a shill for PG Psycho Gorman. I forgot. I have to go on their Facebook because remember you said Bruce Perky several weeks ago that they're going to start selling action figures. I'm literally going to to pony up some money for some PG Psycho Gorman action figures. I'm going to get the Templar. Eric Holmes, what what action figure are you going to get from PG PG for short? PG Psycho Gorman. What did, you get? They they just got the temp the Templar and Psycho Gorman. I think they got I just get. Yeah, I get. I mean, if they just got the two, I'm getting both of them. If they got like 200 of them, I might have to pare it down a bit. Yeah. Definitely get the uh, melted cop in the brain. <laughs> yeah. So and the and, and the other brain guy in the in the uh, the, the tube. tube. Who's the first? I want one the bucket of guts die. guy. The bucket of guts guy. I want him too. Listen, yeah. li- okay, listeners. We um for find your film for our find your film podcast. We're about three episodes away from getting to the 50 episodes. Okay, so I, I'd like to say we're a fine-tuned, well-oiled machine. We're not. We're going to still, we're, we're definitely working on the movie archiving stuff. We have a lot of stuff that we're going to put on Find Your Scene. We're doing a lot of work and we we love each other. We're good buddies. One of the things I, I got I to gotta say is we're doing Amazon. We're part of the Amazon Affiliates program right now. And, you know, that's a great way to support us, not just listening to our show, but the, the monies that we receive, we receive a small commission from these Amazon affiliate links. If you click and buy something or rent something, we get a small commission. I'd like to say some of that small commission will go to our continuing, you know, Eric Holmes will be continuing to to pay for YouTube rentals, even though he has the streaming service and the Blu-rays up in his wall. Bruce Perky will, will continues to pay for digital stuff. And, you know, I would like to say the monies we get, we get from you guys would, would be going to diehard film research. But if on my end, if you give us money and I, we, it will get split it down third, that my money will go straight to the PG for short psycho Gorman figurines. <laughs> so I'm sorry, folks. So just you guys, listeners and viewers, you have been warned. That's where some of your money is going to go to. Go to. So thank you so much for and, your support. And yes, what? if you want to see Au Pair Nightmare or you want to rent it for your sister or mother who loves those type of movies, yes. be, or sure me, maybe. Tell, be sure to tell them about the Amazon link because those type of people tend to shop at Amazon quite a bit. So, Very uh, cool. Very cool. Maybe Bruce Perky might might like All Pair Nightmare. Who knows? We could be surprised. We could be surprised because you know why, folks? We never know what's the future and we never know what in the world, what is the world to come? The world to come is a movie. Yes, the world to come is a movie. It stars Mon- it's directed by Mona Fastfold. It stars Catherine Waterston, Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby, Bruce Perky, you tried watching Pieces of a Woman. It wasn't for your taste. She's- yeah, I made it about 30 minutes in, but I think I might have to go back to it. I've been told that it, it gets really good. So okay. we'll see. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, stars again, Catherine Waterston, Vanessa Kirby, Christopher Abbott, Casey Affleck. Good afternoon. I've been using it a... A broom while my pores of snow is so dry. I'm Tally. Abigail. I hope I'm not intruding. No. I just I needed to get away for the day. Yeah, our farm is a slaughterhouse right now. My husband is killing his hawks. Would you like to come in? 
Yes, I love that. Or we could just stay out on the porch shivering. Here's a story. 18th century East Coast set romantic drama. Two farmers. One farmer is played by Casey Affleck. His wife is played by Catherine Waterston. The other farmer is renting the farm right next to them, which is right next to them is, you know, obviously this is the 18th century. It's quite a while, quite a ways away, horse right away. Christopher Abbott is that other farmer who's renting. And then his wife is Vanessa Kirby, Vanessa Kirby's character and Catherine Watterson's character. They ultimately strike up a friendship. That friendship becomes more intimate. And that is the story for the world to come. So two farmer couples, and it sounds absolutely boring. I was, I was really sad. I was immersed in this movie. I was, it's 98 minutes. I felt, Oh my God, a movie about two women passionate. It's hard. I know it's hard to say this, but portrait of a portrait of a lady on fire is probably, it's such a classic movie. And unfortunately, a lot of these movies like Ammonite, including this movie will be compared to that film. That is absolutely not fair. Here's, one thing that director Mona Fassfold did does in this movie that we're going back to Seder, right? You're either going to love or hate Seder. You're going to either love this device or you're going to say, what the heck is going on? The world to come has a ton of voiceover voiceover from Catherine Waterston. It is a huge, some would say crutch, but what's great is, you know, Eric Holmes, you're all about screenwriting. I, I remember I used to have a screenwriting professor in UCLA and he said, one thing you never do when you're writing a script, stop with the VOs, stop with the voiceovers. The world to come breaks with that tradition and it just slathers the whole movie with Catherine Waterston VOs. So if you like that, you're going to love the world to come. And the reason why the director does that is you get to see the POV of a woman working, living in a somewhat loving relationship with her husband played by Casey Affleck. It's somewhat loving, but they're more of a, they're more business partners. They're tending the farm. They're, they're trying to sell their wares, all that stuff. It's more of a business relationship, but her real life is a relationship she has with the Vanessa Kirby character. And that can't be expressed on an every day to day level. It's expressed via VO. So the world to come, the world in the world to come centers on the interior world of Catherine Watterson's character. I really love this movie. And again, it is, it is going to be an acquired taste, but I love the way, you know, it's just a different take on this type of period type drama, just like PTA did with Phantom Thread, right? It takes one, mm-hmm. it takes his costume drama. That's not 18th century, but it takes costume drama, but he turns it inside out and makes it something different. And I feel this director, Mona Fastfold has a really interesting vision. It's really well done and, beautifully articulate the ending is in my opinion a knockout as well really good performances by everyone all around you know but the star of this movie is Catherine waterston so that is coming out in theaters february 12th but it's available on digital march 2nd put the world to come on your calendars especially if you're a vo fan and fan of Catherine Waterston, which as you guys know very well, I am a huge fan right now. May have to watch Inherent Vice and I love Alien Covenant as well. All right. So yes, Eric Holmes. Uh, Greg, can you, can you do me a quick favor? 
just kind of so. put your uh, put your hand on your chin and look kind of like acquisitive uh, or like okay. you're, like, right. like you're thinking. Okay. Hmm. Well, it was this at this point where Greg Sirzavasi was thinking to himself, "How does the voiceover work in a film? Well, <laughs> as any tool, <laughs> it works as good or as bad as the mechanic using the tool. Sometimes voiceover works great. Other times, especially in podcasts, it does not." and that was the shawshank redemption warner brothers is now suing us folks no but very good very good we love the shawshank redemption by the way by the way run run about shawshank redemption overrated or absolute classic oh all the frank darabont stuff was good okay he shits masterpieces for breakfast and then eats them at dinner so he can shit them again at breakfast very cool i love that that's a great movie quote bruce Berkey, you agree with eric holmes i think it's rated just right perfectly good uh, I would not call it shit. I don't know why Eric has to call it shit, but he calls it shit. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I just apparently, wanted to say shit a few more times. <laughs> well, apparently Bruce does not know what shitting masterpieces mean. What do you thought to him? <laughs> Wait, okay, my bad. Whose turn is it right now? Is it your, your turn, Bruce? No, or I Eric? think it's Eric's. Eric, what you got? I have a uh, movie from the uh, class of 1984 directed by Hugh Hudson. Starring Ian Holm, Christopher Lambert, and sort of Andy McDowell. It's called Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. Uh, This was a movie in my childhood that I've been waiting to see. And and when I finally did, kind of similar to Gremlins, I'm like, oh, that looks so good. I I want to see this Tarzan movie. And I finally saw it probably when it came out on HBO or something. And I'm like, oh, this this movie rules. And uh, I've seen it a couple times since and just watched it very recently, uh, this week recently. And uh, this movie still holds up pretty good. The effects, I mean, you can tell the effects, I, I believe it was Stan Winston that made all the the apes and the, you know, you know, the, the ape creatures, the animatronics and whatnot. Kind of kind of cheesy by today's standards, but, you know, they, they still look pretty good. And they got a lot of like the first hour of the movie is Tarzan is a boy growing into a man and his uh, relationship with the apes. And we talk about silent movies. This is largely a silent movie for the first hour, except for Christopher Lambert going. (laughs) (laughs) This also has a, this also has a thing that Starman with Jeff Bridges. Like I think when Starman came out, because I remember watching it and I remember liking it. And then I've watched Starman fairly recently and Jeff Bridges performance does comes off as a lot cheesier than I think it did when it came out. Uh, this is kind of similar to uh, Christopher Lambert, like just hearing him. Like when I'm a kid, I don't know who Christopher Lambert is. He's Tarzan. So when he's going, ooh, ah, ah, ooh, you know, I'm buying it. <laughs> but I watch it now. I'm like, why is Christopher Lambert acting like a monkey? This, this is kind of silly. But, you know, you, you get over that sort of thing. Andy McDowell. I found well. Okay, so I got a story about this. By the way, short version. Grace Stoke, watch it. Great movie, holds up mostly, but still definitely worth watching. But I'm watching it, and so you see Tarzan is a is an infant, is a one year old. Five, I think they had like other than Christopher Lambert, they had like four or five kid actors playing Tarzan at different ages in his life, and they kept cutting to the kids, and the kids were naked, which makes sense. He's raised by apes, and you know. Uh, apes don't usually go shopping at Walmart, so it would make sense that it doesn't have clothes. But then I started, then I started thinking of uh, the time it was made, 1984. Like they, there's a lot of uh, 
uh, what, what do you call it? Like a, a lot of uh, sexual impropriety sort of things happening. Uh, they rape children. Uh, people in Hollywood rape children back then. We'll just call it what it is. So I started seeing all these naked boys running around with apes and I had to stop. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta, I need to make sure that this is clean before I go on. Kind of <laughs> to Bruce's point about Seder earlier, like this right. is, this is starting to fuck with me. So I go on and I look, uh, I look up uh, Greystoke, Legend of Tarzan, uh, controversy, sexual, you know, sexual controversy. And uh, a video comes up with Andy McDowell. It says Andy McDowell, Greystoke con- controversy. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. I can't watch this movie anymore. So I click on the YouTube video because, you know, I live on YouTube. That's how, that's how my <laughs> life works. And uh, I watched and Andy McDowell's doing a interview. I, I can't. I think it was like James Corden or um, Conan O'Brien or whoever. I can't remember. And she was talking about how this was her first movie, which I did not know. I knew she was in it. I didn't know this was her first movie. And that every bit of her dialogue was overdubbed Dug. by Glenn Close. <laughs> so this is... I had no idea. Cool. This is Andy McDowell's performance completely overdubbed by Glenn Close. And I was so relieved to hear that she was not talking about how the children... Yes, <laughs> right. Of course, of course. So uh, as, as, as far as I know, even though there's naked children in the beginning of it, uh, as far as I know, there was no nothing bad nothing done bad to them. On. But uh, Andy McDowell was not happy with this, and I guess for a good reason. But it's it's it, the weird thing is though, watching it now, it, as I just as I did watching her performance and knowing that it's Glenn Close doing the voice that that makes that middle part so much better because that that middle part is actually the worst part of the movie. It's the most boring part of the movie. It's the beginning part where he's living with the apes. That that's real interesting seeing how how they all you know, become a family and interact and who they like, who they hate, you know, just people, but they're apes. And then the very end where uh, Tarzan goes and sees like, uh, sees like the, the animals captured, one of them killed, one of them like yeah. actually being autopsied and like him trying to come to terms with that. Like I'm a man, but these, you know, you literally killed my father. And it's like, it's just an ape. And it's like, he fucking raised me. Like, you know, so, so that part's really interesting. And that, that whole middle part, the, the whole love story thing is like, eh, it's like, you know, just skip past this, but I kind of want to hear Glenn Close talk. For <laughs> <laughs> so actually that middle part that normally would be unwatchable is actually very interesting now, knowing what I know now, but uh, yeah, Grace Oak, Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, pretty decent, uh, pretty decent throwback movie. Give it a shot. And uh, the, Going close is great in this. God, I still haven't seen it. Did you ever see Greystoke? Yeah, I saw that as the movie before Gremlins preview. So that's how I saw it. That was what mm-hmm. was, they were showing. So I had to watch Greystoke that. to see Gremlins. So I saw them both back to back. So it's okay. a long, long movie. My family was like, what the hell are we doing with this kid? <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 50... 50- I think it's like 15 and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. it, it, go, it goes by like it's 12 and a third hour. So. <laughs> Very cool. Bruce, what else you got? I have my what's in the box uh, movie. And we can oh, do before, that. We get, before we get into your what's in the box, I got one more very quickly. Cowboys. Cowboys comes out in virtual cinemas, VOD, February 12th. In the middle of the night. Did you hear what I just said about Joe? Yeah. 
Joe likes cowboy hats. So what? She just wants to be like you. And you encourage it, Troy. No, 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 no. She said that she is a boy. Oh, God. That she feels like she's in the wrong body, like she's like an alien living in someone else's body, like that Body Snatchers movie. Like the Body Snatchers movie, Troy? What are you talking about? Look, I don't, I don't know if I understand that. You can't fill her head with all these fucking stories about what it's like to be a man, but she's to be saying... a cowboy. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that sounds like fun to her. Going out on joy rides in the middle of the night, going to the bar with your buddies, going fishing, going hunting. I mean, she thinks you're a goddamn hero. Well, look who gets to suck. Look who gets to be the lame-ass mom, stuck at home, doing the dishes, cleaning the fucking toilet. I mean, no wonder she wants to be a goddamn boy. She thinks I'm a piece of shit. This is not about you. Jesus Christ. Who would choose to be a girl? Are you guys fans of Steve Zahn at all? Absolutely. Na- name name some Steve Zahn yes. movies you love. Rescue Dawn. Strange Wilderness. Strange Rescue Dawn. Strange Wilderness. I've never seen that. Yeah. Oh, I thought you guys wilderness. were going to just... You know what um, I hear is good? Oh, you know what, um, Joyride? That, I heard that that's thing good. Saving Silverman? Saving Silverman? That thing okay. you do is good? Oh uh, wait! Oh, what, what's the one? What's the one where they're on the uh, the the uh, tropical island? Oh, it's like perfect a it's like a forehand. Yeah, the that one. Perfect. That, that's that's a good one, isn't he in Happy um, Texas? Yes, I've never seen that. that. You know what I heard? I heard Joyride's really good, directed by John Dahl, starring Paul yeah. Walker. Okay. Joyride's not bad. The original Joyride, the first one, yeah. Right. Did you know what I heard? I was reading on Amazon like there there's some kind of uh, DVD of Joyride, which I think they're. The DVD or Blu-ray, they have an extended version that completely changes the movie. So that's that's one movie I've missed that I definitely want to check out regarding Steve Zahn's body of work. I interviewed Steve Zahn recently for Cowboys, and I asked him, Bruce, about Rescue Dawn. So that's available via our Cinematics Patreon feed. So you got to check that out. Good, because yeah. that – well, that's one of those scenes in movies. I'm not talking about what it is, but that scene is one of those movies that just yep. knocks you to your knees. <laughs> He, yes. he was also he was also in a movie uh, called Employee of the Month, not the one with Dane Cook, but the one with Matt Dillon, yes. where he's uh, they cut to the scene where he's like banging that one chick talking about trip the fan. <laughs> oh no, I've dude! If you don't that. like Steve Zahn, what the hell's wrong with you? That True. guy's awesome. Truth. Well, you know what? Okay, here Steve Zahn. He plays a quote unquote in Cowboys Troy, a troubled but well intentioned dad who has re- recently separated from his wife Sally. Played by Jillian Bell. We all know Jillian Bell from that recent film from a year, year and a half ago called Britney Runs a Marathon. Really cool mm-hmm. film. If you guys haven't seen it, really enjoyed that movie. Good. They're currently separated. And Sally, her problem is even though she loves her daughter, played by Sasha Knight, Sasha Knight is not the daughter. She sees herself as a boy. So she does not accept that her daughter is actually a trans son, okay, named Joe. But Steve Zahn, as Troy, he's the dad. He accepts her, him, as a him, as Joe. And Sasha Knight is fantastic. He's very, very good in this movie. Steve Zahn, we all know how good Steve Zahn is in the movie. And Jillian Bell, they work well off each other. What happens is Troy takes Joe and they go somewhere in the Montana wilderness. And they're trying to make that trek and head over to Canada. So he can have have him for himself. Because the son is really suffering a lot because he just wants to be accepted for who he is. So with this subject matter, Cowboys could seem like a very, it also stars Gary Farmer and Dowd, excellent actors. Mm -hmm. 
very, very good actors. It's only 83 minutes. It's written and directed by Anna Kerrigan. It could have gotten saccharine and heavy handed and preachy about trans issues, gender issues, all that stuff. Nope. It's just a really well, it's a really well told drama. And I highly, number one, if you're Steve Zahn fan, highly recommended. This is one of the best performances I've seen him do straight, straight drama, but he's Steve Zahn. He's very likable. He's, he's Steve Zahn. So you're going to like his character. He has his share of problems, emotional, mental problems as well. Jillian Bell's excellent, but the ultimate steal of the movie is the young actor. His name's Sasha Knight. Fantastic. Steals the film from both Steve and Jillian. Hopefully he'll get more work down the road and a great, I, I don't know if it's a, I believe it's Anna Kerrigan's film debut as a directorial debut. It's really, really well done. I am remiss. I wish I actually got you guys screening links and we would have been talking about Cowboys, but at least I'm talking about it right now in virtual cinemas and VOD February 12th. Highly recommended 83 minutes must see in my opinion. Okay. So Bruce, yes. what's in the box? What's in the box? This week I chose from the box 2012 movie Mud directed by Jeff Nichols. Uh, this was suggested by Chad Wilfong from the Cinematics Group. This is currently showing on Netflix. I'm not going to talk about it, but I also, because I hadn't watched it, I also watched Midnight Special this week by uh, Jeff Nichols. So I watched both of them this week just to get extra Jeff Nichols flavor. That's also showing on Netflix. Equally but you've already good. seen Midnight. You've already seen Midnight nope. Special. Had not oh, seen it before. Okay, my, my bad. So I just watched it too. Uh, but I'm not talking about it, but hey, it's excellent. Mud though, if for those who haven't seen Mud or kind of like me, it's always been on my radar. Just never got around to it. You just see the picture of McConaughey there in a shirt. You're like, eh, I don't know. Great movie. So basic concept of Mud for anyone who doesn't know. You've got these uh, two kids. They're mm, probably 12, 13 they're kind of living on the river down at the Delta area, Arkansas, Louisiana, something like that down in the, down in the South. It starts out with the two kids, Ellis by it played by Ty Sheridan, very young Ty Sheridan and Neckbone, his friend Neckbone played by uh, Jacob Laughland. And they basically get in their get in their little boat, little motorboat, go across to this Island, just across the river from them, a small little forested Island. And in there they go find this boat, that during the floods had been elevated and stuck in a tree. And they're like, this is going to be their fort. You know, two boys get this awesome fort. They go up there and they find out that mud, Matthew McConaughey has been living there and mud is on the run. He's uh, got lots of stories to tell. He may have had some uh, run in with somebody or the law. We're not quite sure at first, but we, it slowly un- unravels on what's going on with him. And it basically becomes this tale of um, it's a it's a tale really of uh, you know young this young kid kind of discovering you know who is like what who is a kind of a father figure you should look up to and what is a true story and what is not and it's but a super super entertaining uh, also it's got Reese Witherspoon as Juniper she's really good Sam Shepard who seems to appear in a lot of um, Jeff Nichols movies, as well as uh, Michael Shannon in a small role here. Uh, Joe Don Baker, the great Joe Don Baker, if you know who he is. And Michael Abbott Jr. has a very small role in this movie. We know Michael Abbott Jr. from what movie? Dick death Long. Of Dick Long. It all <laughs> comes back to the death of Dick Long, no matter what we do. Anyway, spectacular movie. And as I watch these two movies, I mean, 
I don't know what your guys' take on Jeff Nichols is, but I've seen, I haven't seen all of his movies still yet. I still need to see Loving and I still need to see Shotgun Stories. I think that's the only other two. I've seen uh, Take Shelter in these yeah. two movies. These three movies are, uh, it's a lot to do with Americana, but he, this guy just knows how to tell a really well-told story with really good characters. And I feel like he's got a cinematic sense that's um, not quite as schmaltzy and showy, but very almost Spielbergian. Like it's a very, it's just something about when you're watching one of these Jeff Nichols movies, you feel like you're really in sure hands. You know what I mean? Like you feel like this guy is going to take me on a really good story with some really good characters and I am going to have a very satisfying ride and it's going to be, it's going to be a good trip. So that's kind of my feeling for it. I I honestly think it's a shame he hasn't done a movie since Loving 2016. It's been way too long since he's directed a movie. And it's interesting that, well, Eric Holmes, did you quote love loving did you really enjoy yeah, that movie I, I i like i like all of his movies i i think my favorite one is probably midnight special yeah and in fact uh i'm guessing you're gonna talk about that next week maybe or maybe maybe not we'll see but it's it's really right. really good you know what maybe we'll just hang hold on to it for like a director's spotlight because he's definitely worthy of that yeah. i think i i think but yeah one, one of the one of the reasons i hated logan so much when i saw that it was like oh, this is just a shitty version of midnight special yeah but uh oh, okay. yeah yeah just, uh, yeah he's he's great i love all his movies and uh mud specifically has kind of uh kind of like a joe or peanut butter falcon flavor but it's mm-hmm. like uh it's like darker somehow and I can't. Uh, I haven't like, seen it, mud yet. It, it's not. It's not darker. Like oh, we're brooding, and you know, it's just. I. I don't know. Just, uh, uh, there's a certain flavor to his movies that yes. I can't quite put my finger on. In, in the three that I've seen, so I've seen this Take Shelter and Midnight Special. One thing I really capture with his movies is he's got a super strong sense of place, like really authentic place, like. I live in the South. I don't live here where they're showing this in the South, but it just feels correct. It feels absolutely right. Uh, and he looks like he films in real places a lot. And he does really interesting things where he'll have a scene take place and it'll be like under an overpass or something, but he'll make it really cinematic, but it's also really genuine. It's not, it's not that kind of really artificial stage kind of look. It's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's very, very authentic. What well, I, I can't saying. wait. To, well, I haven't seen a lot of his movies. I haven't seen Take Shelter. I haven't seen Shotgun. I haven't seen Mud. So those those three movies. But I have seen Midnight Special. Anderson Cowan and I, we saw it. We were both a little bit mixed on that movie. I thought it was fine. I need to rewatch that, actually. Because maybe he hasn't done a movie for a while because he was working on that alienation thing that he was talking about on the podcast. But in 2016, the fact that he released Midnight Special and Loving, that would take the stuff out of you. Because yeah. two ultimately high you, well you've seen it you've seen both i mean you've wait no you haven't seen loving but i haven't seen loving two but ambitious films i could year. see midnight special we're not talking about it but i think your reaction i wouldn't be surprised if you like it better on the second view because i feel like a lot of people that don't like it it has to do with an expectation like they think they know it's going to a certain place and it's going to have a certain type of finale and that's not what that movie's about it's definitely it's definitely a journey with these characters movies and that's what matters like right. Peter Butter, like Peter Butter Falcon, the ending really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And it, that's why I think that's a very comparable movie to that. And to Mud, Mud, the ending matters a little more, but not much more. It's really just with these characters in this situation. But he has a way of giving all of these movies drama. 
but very unusual and unique drama. They're not like the kind of drama you get from a very traditional high stakes kind of a thing. It's very small, real life dramas. Well, if you like small, real life dramas, one wait. Well, are you a fan of, do you like Joel Edgerton a lot? Yes, I do like him. Yeah. Wait till you see, right, Eric? Wait till you see Joel Edgerton's performance in Loving. He's totally different type of performance. And it's, wow. it's, really, it's really well done. And high, high marks for that movie. And I, I, if I recall, I think I saw Loving before Midnight Special. And I, I came into Midnight Special with those Loving expectations. Probably Eric knew, Eric, you, by, by the time Loving was released, you knew more about Jeff Nichols's body of work. So you were able to actually judge those movies on their own merits, unlike me, because I had, yeah. I, yeah so. Well, well, for me, I started with Take Shelter and mm-hmm. then started going down his filmography, went back to Shotgun Stories and then kept going until, and so I, I've seen, other than Shotgun Stories, I've seen them all in chronological order as he released them. I could imagine just guessing. I haven't seen Chocolate Stories or Loving, but I could imagine Take Shelter and Mud being Greg's favorites because I think those two go together really well. So wow. So okay. Well, I well I'll tell you one thing. Joe is probably my favorite Nicolas Cage performance. So are you are you telling me Mud might be better than Joe? I haven't seen Joe, but I would guess that it is. Well, I think Jeff Nichols. Yeah, I don't know. They, they're kind of they're kind of on similar. Uh, Joe's, okay, a Eric. Dark, Joe's a little darker, but uh, they're they're on similar wavelengths, I think. Okay, you got a you got a coin. You're the you're the you're you're the vote. Mud or Joe? Which would you? Layperson comes up to you, say, "Mr. Holmes, I I need to see this DVD or that that DVD." Which oh, God. other than saying no, David no, Gordon go Green. rent it on YouTube, kid. No, what what DVD would you go rent them both on YouTube and find out for yourself? Um, <laughs> Now, I, I I think I, I love Dave Gordon Green, but Mud's just like, it's, it's by a hair, by a I hair. Like, in, okay. Okay. Now, Bruce, what's in the box, listeners? This is our, our standby segment. Bruce is doing what's in the box. Oh, uh-oh, here we go. I saw you with the box. Who's in the box? Because <laughs> I envy your normal life. Put the gun down, David. It seems that envy is my son. Oh, what's in the box? <laughs> what's in the fucking box? There you go. Oh, Very this good. is our first repeat requester because I allow you, I allow people to put a request back in the week after theirs has been picked. So Angie Clark, cool, and this Angie is a movie Clark. I have never seen, but it's, I've heard of it forever. And I know it's supposed to be great. And that is Jiro or hero dreams of sushi. Jiro never dreams seen of sushi. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Never seen it. I've okay. Heard it's great. I've heard it's a good documentary. So she, you know, if Angie, Cl- you know, Angie Clark, you got to give her credit. She really, she helped us with the, is it Ida or Ida? Ida. Ida Lupino, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. call her Ida forever. Ida Lupino, thank you. So thank you, Angie Clark, for that. She's a friend of the show. Huh. Sushi. I'm, I'm, I'm vegetarian. Are you going to watch? Are you excited about this sushi documentary? I'm Bruce? already hungry. I'm already hungry thinking about it. <laughs> Do you guys eat sushi at all? Yes. Yeah, sushi's great. Oh, okay. Not, right. not Alabama sushi, but sushi is great. <laughs> Come on. There must be some good some good places you know in alabama i'm sure um is- north alabama otherwise known as nashville probably does have good sushi <laughs> <laughs> how about you eric combs do, do, do they have sushi in entertain mart no not in entertain mart but they do have it in colorado springs uh i got a couple good places here okay like the okay. Uh, smoked salmon nigiri is usually my go-to 
Oh, very cool. Very cool. Not the uni, like innocent. No. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I've never tried uni. I'm, I am still a very, one of these days I'm going to get back to eating meat. Okay. That's it. Anything else before we go for, this is it. It's a long, it was a, okay. Anything else we need to say about, uh, find your film, anything, any, you got Eric, Bruce, you got anything? Um, yes. Yeah. Anything, Watch any thoughts? Movies Watch good movies. Watch good. Tell Bruce what you want to put in the box. Oh, yeah. very good. Yes. It was it. It was at this point where Greg realized I should not have let Eric start talking. <laughs> but maybe <laughs> next time on the next episode of Find Your Film, I'm just going to bite my tongue and keep Eric on mute the entire time. And <laughs> we will finally have a good show of Find Your Film. <laughs> that is it. That is our show. No, I'll never put mute on you, Eric Holmes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, did you have something to say, Bruce, before I go? No, nothing to say. Nothing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that, I don't know what that is. That's scaring me. It's an action figure. It's not a PG for sure. PG Psycho Gorman figure. Bruce Perky will tell us what he was uh, gallivanting with that action figure. We, we're going to find out what that was in the future. We'll, we'll say it in a, a later podcast. I am. I am. I don't know what else to say. Thank you. Oh, another. Oh, a headless. Oh, there's the head. He was showing us a headless doll. That was not. That is not family friendly. But but we're an explicit show. Thank you so much for listening to Find Your Film, guys. We will see you next week. Hit us up for any questions. Eric Holmes, hamslime at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to him, Bruce Perky for what's in the box, Bruce Perky at gmail.com. Hit us up. And thank you so much for supporting Find Your Film. Take care.